I'm not sure. Wh- whomever pays Sepp Blatter the most amount of money, uh, allegedly. Yes. Well, no, not allegedly. Come and get us, Sepp. Take us down. <laughs> yeah, he probably has moles in it. Yeah, anyway. Not not that we think Sepp is a corrupt old fool and a racist, but if he were that, we would definitely say it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what that means, but yeah, I agree. So, Newcastle Crystal Palace, it's not been a good week for Manchester United. No, it hasn't. There are perhaps some seeds of good times ahead of been sown with an extremely exciting cameo from Ravel Morrison in the Palace game but and, and actually a very thoroughly decent performance against Newcastle it, in the interest of full disclosure uh, neither Ed nor I saw the whole game is that right Ed you haven't seen it all either no I was on a plane I can't remember why I didn't see it but I'm sure I had a jolly good reason part timer and then part timer I switched on it's disgraceful the moment that I switched on the match uh, I could tell you exactly what minute I watched it from because the, literally the first thing I saw was an amazing I had the TV on mute. It was an amazing tackle for from Rio. And I sort of stood up ready to virtually applaud him. And then saw our players all crowding around the linesman and, and couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, a pretty terrible penalty decision. Not only was it a terrible penalty decision, but it was a terrible process from the referee, and Mike Jones, who, who will not be refereeing another game this weekend, and hopefully not for some time. It was uh, not. He would have been much better if he'd just pointed to the spot and given a penalty. Mistake... But, you know, we can say an honest mistake. He thought he'd seen something he hadn't and, and all of that. But, in fact, he pointed to a corner and then being sure that it was a corner, uh, the linesman flagged for a penalty and then Jones conferred and, and gave a penalty. But at no point could Jones have not had some doubt about that. No point at all. Because yeah. he pointed to a corner straight away. It's an awful decision. And and look, uh, Pat- Patrice Ever afterwards came out and said, actually, we need to put that aside and, and look at ourselves a bit. And, and United's finishing, at least from the... the highlights I've seen I, I blame United Airlines for not having any kind of decent live TV in there playing what kind of airline service is this so I've only I've only had to do with highlights but uh, I think we can blame uh, United's finishing for much of the one-all result where it wasn't the best it wasn't the best but I mean Newcastle also defended extraordinarily well three bodies in the way Tim Krull appeared to have a, an inspired game as well he did very Brad Friedel I thought that Tim Krull performance and uh, uh, definitely cruel to some of our forwards uh, that they didn't get on the score sheet and uh, maybe a little harsh to criticise the finishing although uh, there, there were a couple of, of, of poorly taken opportunities there were also some decently taken opportunities that were extremely well stopped I mean Vidic's, Vidic's had a lot of cruels getting a lot of plaudits for his save from Vidic's header but he was really standing where the ball was flying towards he yeah. slightly moved his shoulder towards the ball yeah, but not my face <laughs> but no excellent Excellent play, uh, and Newcastle just really deserve a, a tremendous amount of credit, I think, for the... I mean, you mentioned how their success so far this season has been built on a foundation of very solid defence. I know you had them finishing 20th in the Premier League this season in your uh, wrap-up, uh, in your preview of the season, and I, I think I might have joined you in that, unless you've taken that, that post down. No, 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 it's, it's up there, and it, it will be up there, and I will revisit it at the end of the season, as I do every season, and, and see how well I did. I don't think there'll be finishing 20th I think my thoughts on that one were they probably wouldn't have a great start and it's Newcastle so it'll be calamity time and the chairman will sack the manager and, and uh, it'll all be terrible plus they lost some key players I mean they lost uh, Nolan and Barton and Andy Carroll the year before and hadn't really replaced them at all but uh, all credit to Alan Pardew he's got a side that said last week that uh, really does work for each other they're a real unit and it, it, it certainly seemed that they defended well on Saturday 
Yeah, and Danny Simpson, United old boy with a with a tremendous clearance off the line. Yeah, uh, one of many Manchester United players in the northeast of England, of course, or ex-Manchester United players. Right, yes, and and many of them without a manager now after Steve Bruce's sacking this week. Yes, um, at Oye Creations wants to know whether we think he should be Sir Alex's successor. I think he may. I think he may have been joking. I, I'm hoping so. Yeah, because <laughs> just in case you were wondering, I don't think he should be Sir Alex's. That's that's my carefully considered opinion on the subject really oh I'd, I'd, I'd line him Mark Hughes and Brian Robson up yeah awesome perhaps get the trio of them mate, in there. yeah the dream team mm. see strategy <laughs> it's not just mindless pontificating about Manchester United that we do we've got a clear plan for the future of the club yeah but actually I, I, I was not downhearted after the Newcastle game I think most times we would have won that game just needed the ball to bounce a little better needed some of the decisions to go our way Chicharito did score a winner right, yeah we hadn't mentioned that yeah, which yeah. was ruled offside. A couple of offside decisions hurt us this week, but both very close and I think kind of harsh to have too much of a pop at the linesman because there really is only so much you can do when you only have the benefit of seeing it once at full speed. You have to just trust your judgment. But you also have to get it right and that's his job. Nah, but you, you it's an impossible job to accurately judge offsides because you quite literally have to be looking in two places at once to get the answer right. You have to move your eyes from where the ball is and judge the exact moment at which the ball was struck and exactly where all the players are standing at that moment. You see, what we, what we should do is we should train linesmen to move their eyeballs independently. Like chameleons. Solve the problem, yeah. Yeah, right, okay, well, that's an option. Talking of solve the problem, many of us have discussed at great length Manchester United's midfield problems this season and one of the potential long-term solutions to that midfield problem was on display on Wednesday night. Yes, you've guessed it, I'm talking about Darren Gibson's inclusion in the United starting lineup. This is incredible, really. I mean, United were desperate to flog him in the summer, had effectively agreed a deal with, I don't know what to call them, really, it's, it's more, you know, it's cast off FC, isn't it, Sunderland? And Gibson, that deal broke down over the Sunderland claimed wages and, and Gibson's camp claimed a backtracking on an agreed deal. So he didn't go, got an ankle injury, has had uh, no football this season until Wednesday night and, and up he pops against Crystal Palace. Did OK, did OK. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't go further than that. I, I saw some high praise for him as well as some uh, severe criticism. I mean, he, he is a player who's uh, somewhat Marmite, isn't he, sometimes? And... Um, I thought he, he was very safe in his passing. It, it, almost all of it was safe, safe, safe. A couple, couple of shots didn't go too wild on his shooting. Uh, it's been a criticism of him in the past. He's believed the hype. Um, but as a result of his kind of safe passing, there, there really was no penetration from the centre of midfield. No, I don't think that was as a result of his passing. I think he was looking for a decent pass the whole time and nobody was moving around in front of him. Uh, in the first half, United were absolutely turgid. But the one player that maybe did have a little spark as you might expect, given his relative quality to everyone else on the field, was Dimitar Berbatov, who at one point just sort of looked at Makeda um, after the, bo- the move had broken down and just pointed as if to suggest, you know, if you move, that makes it easier for us to find a pass to you. This is true, although uh, I've got to defend Makeda somewhat in that he was stuck out on the left wing, which just insane. At what point has Kiko Makeda ever been a left winger? And and it's, it's just unfair on the lad. I mean, he's had no football this season at all. He's had barely had any football in three three years to be fair I mean that spell at Sampdoria I, I suppose uh, which was a, a complete disaster and, and uh, none, none at all this season and comes back first game in the first team and he's stuck out on the left wing and it, it just doesn't seem at all so you've got to give him some some sympathy for that yeah but then uh, 
second half, he basically stood like a statue for, for most of the second half, and it was a pretty dire performance from him. It won't have done him much good at all. No, and as, as one wag said, trying to put these youngsters in the shop window, probably best not to put Mamo Biram Juf in the shop window if you're trying to sell him. More just keep him hidden under a thing and hope someone buys him as a mystery lucky bag or something. You know what we really should do? Injure him. You know, oh, fake an injury, you know. I'm not saying I'm not saying go out and injure him, you know. No need to, just, you know, fake an injury. And and then we can all start talking about how wonderful he is and how m- much United miss Mame Biram Diouf and wouldn't it be great if he was back? And we can kind of build up the hype about him and then maybe someone will fall for it. At the moment, we're going to have to pay somebody to take him. I'm literally, I, I'm not even joking about this. United will have to pay somebody to take Diouf away. They're going to have to buy his contract out to get him off the books. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that that may well be the case. I mean, I, I don't know at what level he could do a job. I don't think he's completely devoid of any footballing talent whatsoever, obviously. You know, he's much... No, no, he did a job at Norwegian League level. He'd probably be OK in the Championship. Yeah, all right. Or maybe get him back to Mulder, uh, hook up with Oli. It doesn't look like they've missed him, you know, Norwegian champions and all that. No, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was obviously joking when I was talking about the future of uh, United's midfield being Darren Gibson. He had a decent game, which will have done his uh, potential of getting a move in January no harm at all but I was absolutely electrified by the performance especially the first half an hour of the performance of Ravel Morrison came on at half time uh, for Berbatov and Alan Parry who you know we talked about the referee and the linesman having absolutely awful performances and some of United's players having truly dreadful performances against Crystal Palace the worst performance of any sort that I've seen or heard this week was unquestionably Alan Parry's commentary on the Crystal Palace game it was a appalling. He did the Pogba-Vieira comparison within five seconds of uh, Pogba's number coming up to show he was coming on. He 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 basically said, well, what does this mean for Berbatov's United career that he, the senior man, is taken off at half-time in this game? And it's like, yeah, mm. it, injured. <laughs> left left the stadium in a, in a foot brace, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's it's just, it was, but it, but it was just one thing after another, absolutely, just genuinely, bafflingly awful comment. And he got more and more excited uh, about, you know, how much a massive shock this... I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying this in order to belittle Crystal Palace's win or, or, you know, save United from any embarrassment. This is a you know, team, as Ferguson said, with nine internationals in it is a team that should have beaten Crystal Palace. But context is, is always king, right? And this is not the biggest shock in the history of football, which is pretty much what Alan Parry said No, it was. because they didn't really beat Manchester United. They beat a bunch of our kids and slightly unfit free players and you know yeah and, and and actually not that many kids at least to start with and, and I think that's that there's a wider context to, to to this as well I mean in the past I mean look look think back 1994 September 1994 Ferguson rolls out a team of a whole bunch of 18 year olds including the whole you know basically the whole class of 92 uh, FA Youth Cup winning side and he's massively criticised for it he's, he's accused of devaluing the competition uh, but now every other top club does it uh, they see it as where blooding youngsters uh, in a sort of low risk way uh, given the changes to youth football and all that and and uh, you know Ferguson was, was a, a visionary in many respects and and he pioneered the squad game and a lot of it was to do with what he did with the youth players coming into the Carling Cup and, and you know I think we can recognise that there's no criticism of playing kids in the Carling Cup anymore and all the other managers do it what's Ferguson done this season he's hardly given any minutes at all to young players I mean we've seen Zicky Fry's started again 
against Leeds. Uh, Pogba came on against Leeds, and Morrison Pogba had, had a little cameo against Oldshot. Pogba got what half an hour on Wednesday night. And Morrison got a half, but it really only got that half because Berbatov was injured. He was probably slated for 20 minutes or so. So really, not a lot of young players coming into the side. In truth, the Carling Cup this season has been used, as has unfortunately the Champions League, to make sure that squad players are getting enough minutes. Yeah, I mean, you've you've kind of talked about that in all our Carling Cup previews so far this season, and it is really unfortunate, especially since we do have some really exciting young players, and I, I think it's worth, Fergie might not be giving them too many minutes, but I think we probably can afford to, uh, having given some minutes to Duf. Um, the, the performance, Zeki Fryers, I thought, had, apart from the bit where he was attacked by his inner ear twice in five seconds and was weirdly weirdly dived over <laughs> yeah. very quite hilarious yeah Mr. Invisible tripped him over twice <laughs> it's it's a genius piece of footage if you can find it on YouTube he's, it's like he's just sank you know 12 special brews and, and can't stand up straight it's the second one that makes it because the first one is quite a spectacular fall on its own it really does look like he's kind of dived over a challenge but there's no one within you know 50 yards of him but the second one it happens immediately afterwards again it was an excellent moment but yeah I thought he was really impressive and given how awful Fabio was in his 45 yeah. minutes I mean yeah. he got booked he definitely would have got sent off if he'd stayed on the pitch he was being massively outplayed by a championship winger and got himself injured so the, the, yeah. the full hat trick yeah. of disaster from Fabio I've got a lot of time for the De Silva brothers I, I do think they're both going to be you know, very classy players they've got a lot of work to do both of them you know defensive defensive positioning got to get themselves fit oh man just give them give them some protein shakes or something and some weights and tell them to man up at michael underscore zero eight nine says should we let the twins particularly fabio leave no 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 god no too way too much talent for that i mean these uh fabio's had a, a couple of games in the brazil side this year that's ridiculous why would why on earth would we do that no well because they can't finish 90 minutes so what you're gonna sell a player because you know he's still fragile they're only 20 yeah so you that, that's that's the hope then is that they'll because I don't think I mean you say man up but I mean you know it's not like they're wusses it's that they keep getting hurt you know if your hamstring twangs it's not because you're you know too cowardly to take the pain no 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 but they've got it they've got it okay so you know I'm being I'm being flippant right yeah but they, they, they you know the club and the players have got to work out a, a regime that makes sure they don't get injured so often I mean for example Ryan Giggs used to get a whole load of hamstring injuries uh, and they they went through a whole process of working out his car was his boots size all of this kind of stuff yeah and in, in order to solve that problem and uh, they're gonna have to do i mean Raphael's had two shoulder injuries now they've, they've each had you know a bunch of groin and hamstring injuries and stuff like that they're, the club is going to have the sort of problem out they're two you know very talented players you don't get in the brazil team because you know because of luck right no absolutely and, and, and especially being a brazilian not playing in brazil uh, this is uh, the, the politics of brazilian football that's what the public want they want homegrown players playing for the team so when they don't they have to be talented so I mean, Raphael's had a call-up. Fabio's had a, a couple of caps now. These are two very talented kids. There's no point getting rid of them. There's loads more to come for them. Got to get them fit. Yeah, no, absolutely. A follow-up question, which is sort of related to this. I mean, you, you talked about how we're, Fergie's using the, the, the Carling Cup to to give squad players minutes, but, but is it partly that he's using the cup at Michael underscore 089 wants to know, are we now using the Carling Cup as a shop window rather than for promoting you? Well, it is the theory that was going round. I mean, I, I can't see where Darren Gibson 
or maybe Biram Diouf are, are going to have a long-term position at United. I mean, Diouf's just not good enough, right? And, uh, you know, I know I keep saying he's better in the, he's better on the bench than in the United shirt, but it's kind of true. He's just not good enough. I mean, he's, the guy's 23, right? It's not like he's going to get better. He's not going to suddenly become a United quality player. Full stop. He find him a new club. And I suspect they did try and find him a new club in the, the summer, but the club was being greedy, much as they were with, with Gibson. I mean, Sunderland, it seemed, were about to pay six million pounds for him uh, and Thomas Cusack wanted four million for him maybe they're asking for a fee that's that's more than the market will pay for for DF which is a fee <laughs> yeah more than a sack of potatoes right <laughs> it's that might be it I, I don't know but uh, the fact is he's going to go he's not going to make it United the club have already decided that Gibson is not good enough for the club otherwise they wouldn't have accepted the bid in the summer right so there's no debate there either Gibson is not good enough for Manchester United Alex Ferguson agrees he'll go too so what was the point and more than that what could Ferguson have possibly learned about Park Ji-sung from playing him and you know I've got time for Park Ji-sung he's got a role in certain games that United need to play it's not I, mean, I don't think it's against FC Basel next week United have to go there and be positive and not go to a Swiss club hoping to get a draw that's got disaster written all over it is he going to play at the weekend against Aston Villa I really don't think so so uh, and Berbatov is there anything more we need to learn about Berbatov right now I, you know I, I've got loads of time for Dimitar Berbatov as well wonderfully gifted player but but right now Berbatov is a squad player and did we learn more about Berbatov playing in that game than we would have done if some of the kids had played yeah I mean and 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 then so to finally let's get to it I, I mean I, I was I was genuinely somewhat blown away by Morrison's performance because Crystal Palace is physically relatively close to what he'll be playing against in the Premiership that there there is obviously a huge step up in physical conditioning and the Premiership teams are the, the you know the, the absolute peak of that sort of thing but you know he came on and just constantly passing and moving constantly making himself available completely changed the dynamic and it looked really impressive behind Makeda and Juve if he was playing behind Hernandez and Rooney in that match mm. and he had some movement to match his own he would have been the key to unlocking that defence and, and I, I, tell me give me a good reason why he's not ready to be coming on and making an impact at the top level well look, look, look there's two concerns one one is the, the concern is definitely not with his talent that kind of pass and move the flicks and tricks the, the quality the creativity the ability to beat a player he did a couple of times that's been there I mean we've seen that since he was 15 he's done it in every youth cup match uh, every reserve match there, there, are, there are three qu- key questions I think with Morrison one is are his disciplinary problems mostly off the pitch but actually also on the pitch too are they solved does Ferguson trust you know and I thought it was a good one he, he basically got kicked a couple of times from behind and and he didn't push back at the crystal Palace. he kind of flicked his hand in a dismissive way but didn't react physically I thought it was a good sign because there have been a couple of occasions when he has done that and got sent off in a, in a one cup game for doing that um, so that's that's one question. Two, two is he temperamentally kind of ready to take a leadership role? Uh, it's it's does he want it enough? Because there have been times I've seen him in the reserves where he looks like he just couldn't give a toss, and and anecdotally he, he's the same in training as well. So that's another big question. Three, is he physically big enough and strong enough, and and you know physically ready for it? And you know maybe he is. I mean he did look slight. He still does look slight. I mean you kind of want him to get in the gym a bit, and, and that's going to be important because the Premier League is a physical league uh, so those are the three question marks those are the only reasons why he's not being thrust into the first team uh, if he's solved his disciplinary problems if he's you know they think he's mature enough to take on the role and they think he's fit enough 
he's going to get a game. So I, I think that, that there's a huge amount of... This is this is all speculation at a distance. I've obviously never met Ravel Morrison, and all I know about him from first-hand experience is what he puts on his own Twitter account. And the timing of that and the the nature of it and the fact that it's public and yet, you know, it's his public face. It's pretty clear that Morrison's issues are not uh, about laziness or stupidity, but they're, they're kind of genuine behavioural disorder type stuff. They're in that kind of realm. You know, he's he's not just, you know, people are saying, well, does he, does he, has he kind of earned a place in the first team through his behaviour? I don't know if he's ever going to do that. I don't know if you could, you know, because, because, because it's not like, okay, he just needs the right combination of carrot and stick in order to get him to realise and pull his socks up and do the right thing. I mean, the, the the tweet the other week, I can't wait till the end of the season, spelt wrong, but won't hold that against him. And then Rooney sort of tweeted back at him saying it's going to come sooner than you think. Obviously kind of pulling him up on his attitude and mm. he, he kind of massively backtracked on that for quite smartly really and made a, a brilliant kind of unprovable unprovable claim that no, he was just talking about being excited to go on holiday but you know, it wasn't, that there was context and it clearly, that was not what he was talking about and and you know that the united awards show last season yeah where yeah. He, he kind of slated it and and it's like th- those things are those things are uncontrolled behavior that's that's why I, I talk about it in the realm of behavioral disorder rather than just being like a stupid kid kind of thing because there's no filter at work there or there's a broken filter at work because any level of logic being applied is going to say wait a minute i shouldn't do this yeah right right you know fair enough and and i just i don't believe that Ferguson would have him in the first team if he didn't think there was an improvement. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Right, of that. I'm pretty right, sure right. of that. I, you know, and and those little things are true. But I think the bigger the bigger issues. I mean, I mentioned the story earlier this this season about him being shown the gangland sort of thing. You know, it's, yeah. it might be one of those urban myths. There's, there's that side of him. There's the the quote to that uh, he's going to get himself shot sooner or later from an unnamed United coach and and all of that kind of thing. Is that behind him? You know, we don't know. Maybe. maybe maybe not but but Ferguson and the club obviously have been very supportive I think Ferguson probably believes he's now more ready than he used to be I mean because Laz 18 a couple of years older than, than Ryan Giggs was when uh, Ferguson threw him in and Ferguson tried to play Darren Fletcher at 16 and, and a few others and all that so you know they've, they've held him back for a little while uh, he's certainly got the talent I, I don't think there's any doubt about that and it, it's, all, it's all the rest of it and may, maybe now Ferguson feels he's, he's ready if he does he might he might be involved again having said that it's a very big squad and we haven't seen Morrison in a Premier League bench yet have we and logic would kind of say given that neither Morrison or Pogba started and there's a, a programme of a Christmas programme six six Premier League games and the trip to Basel coming up in the next month to seven games he'll probably use his full squad I kind of think Morrison won't be involved and the next time we'll see him will be the FA Cup third round I just think it's I, I mean yeah it's a big squad but it's not a big squad in terms of creative attacking midfielders no it's not but it, I mean I don't know whether Ferguson will just throw him in at 18 I mean it's kind of I think it's just kind of fantasy that that would happen I, I don't think it'll happen he, he could have done it before now so and, and ditto with Pogba Pogba's different because he's not he's just not quite ready and he didn't have, no. he didn't have a good game against Palace I mean he had a much better game against Old shot but I just think he's just not quite quite ready he could really do with a loan spell away that's not going to happen until they sort the contract issue out and that might not get sorted I mean in fact I mean given that he can sign with another club come January he might sign for Manchester City but before we next see him so. that's an unfortunate thought apparently I, I don't really follow the youth team or the reserve team that closely uh, as I'm sure anyone who does can tell by what I say about these players but apparently his performances have not been great so far 
this season in the reserve. Right, yeah, no, what, what I've seen them, you know, it's, it's, a, it's amazing the kind of you know, technology these days. You get a stream or a TV uh, coverage of it and, and all of that. So, yeah, I, I see a fair bit of uh, reserve football. And, and uh, no, I, I didn't think he'd been as great as he was last year. And he was, he was really quite a dominant player in the youth team last yeah. year. I mean, it's a big step up, though, isn't it? Because you you do you're suddenly playing with grown ups instead of kids. And well, yeah, ish. I mean, the reserve team now most of most of them will be sort of eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Yeah. Most of them, and it and it used to be you got a mixture of younger players coming up and older players going down. Yeah, and you really don't get the older players at all anymore. Our friend Bree at Bree underscore Red Ant, friend of the show, asks, "What would you tell those fans who want Ravel, Pogba, et al in the first team, but still want us to buy that Dutchman and every other midfielder?" Under under the sun I, you know we talked about the midfield last week you used the quote that I've been thinking for ages which is it's the midfield stupid United have got a real problem somebody was saying on the other hand there is a kind of masterstroke at work because there are you know at least three potential first team midfielders in the United youth setup at the moment I mean Tunnicliffe is on loan at Peterborough uh, and Pogba and Morrison they are potentially the solution to the problem but your view Ed I know is that they're just not close enough to ready and we need to do something about it sooner yeah I, I can't yeah, it is. It is my view. I think Tunnicliffe's got his loan spell this season. I think he might well get another loan next season at a Premier League club if he does well and progresses. I mean, and it would be nice to see Pogba and possibly Morrison out as well. I, I just think, I just think Morrison is never going to go on loan. Look, if he wants to engage in criminal activity, there's not a lot Ferguson can do about it. If that's the worry, right? Send him to somewhere that Ferguson trusts. You know, Peterborough maybe, whatever. I, I, who knows? I mean, frankly, if you send him somewhere like Peterborough, how much trouble can you get into you know a bit of tractor rustling or something you know it's not it's not uh, it's not a massive worry is it sorry for offending all those pieces of fairly built up actually isn't it it's not you know, it's not norwich after all <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say it's like <laughs> <laughs> there's there's crime in Peterborough, I'm pretty sure. But I'm not talking about criminal activity. I'm talking about uh, emotional and psychological development, really. I think that's you know yeah. that's that's the kind Fair of enough. problem. In, in any way, look, there's this conveyor belt, isn't there? Youth team, reserve team, loan at a lower league club. If they do well, and a lot of them don't and disappear, uh, it's loan at a Premier League club. If they do well, it's into the first teams. Yeah, Seen it, absolutely. Danny Welbeck, Preston, yeah. Sunderland, first team, Tom Cleverley, Leicester. Watford Wigan first team yeah absolutely uh, hopefully back at Christmas the Christmas present we need so badly Clearly, yeah well, he won't he won't play this side of he won't play this side of Christmas I don't think I, I think uh, they rushed him they rushed him back and he the injury reoccurred and so they'll take an awful long time with him this time round and Anderson out until at least February yeah and Anderson out basically I'm done yeah I'm, I'm done with him as well I mean it's Anderson so he's going to come back 14 stone overweight he, I mean what is it you know he gets a bit of time on the sidelines happens quite a bit he went off partying in Portugal the one time and nearly got burnt alive in a car accident he, he heads off to Brazilian Ronaldo's fat clinic and porks up for a bit and uh, just it's just 30 million euros not well spent yeah no absolutely and and yeah it's it's I, I think given given his kind of four weeks of good performances this season followed by looking incredibly average followed by getting another long-term injury yet another long-term injury and how old is he 25 no 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 he's 23 23 right all right so he's still he's still young enough to develop enormously then. He is. I mean, the old, the old cliche, and I, I do think this is kind of wrong. This cliche, but you know, about about Brazilians peaking early. 
Yeah, but I mean, I think it, obviously, if you've been out for a year with a back injury or whatever, then you're not going to peak as early. Tweet knee injury you know, in Anderson's so. case. Was it, was it a knee and not a back injury? Knee. So I thought he was 20. See, clueless, clueless glory hunters. That's that's clearly the situation. We, we've had so many questions on Twitter this week that I don't think we're going to get to them all, but thank you so much for submitting them. Uh, one of them that I definitely, definitely didn't want to miss, though, Ed, is which Man United shirt has been our favourite over the years? Well, I still have my 99.9 shirt. That's... It's a favourite, you know. It's a bit, it's yeah. a bit tight though. It's a bit tight around the neck. And and uh, I had I had an old Eric Cantona red shirt from '95, four, round about then, with a collar turned up. Quite like that one. Uh, I actually had. I don't know where this has gone. It's disappeared somewhere. I had the blue and white Adidas kind of motley effect one from the Rumblows Cup, 1992. That's one of the worst. Sh- shirts that yeah you, and any Terrible. anything anything away circa the early 90s uh, no there's no question okay there are two there are two right answers to the question what is the best man united shirt of all time and one is the george best long red you know long red sleeve classic white, yeah with the white cuffs that's that's one answer and the other is the cantonar upturned collar uh, laces across the neckline sharp shirt that's those those are the two best united shirts of all time it is a definitive and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong fair enough how can you argue yeah. with that? Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's it's been an interesting week. I think there's quite a lot of cause for hope in amongst all the pessimism. It, it was good that City dropped those points after we we did. Right, it was desperately needed. I mean, if they hadn't, it'd be a seven-point lead and we might be kissing the title but goodbye already. Well, we might be, but there's a long way to go yet. You know, I, I remain optimistic about this season. I mean, you know, City do look very impressive, but they've got a lot of work to do yet, you know. They do, they do, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's and and United have six games against teams in the bottom half of the table coming up, so it, it's a very winnable period. Is that is that the right word? Anyway, eighteen eighteen points before Christmas, or well, before the New Year. United do that will be right back in it and will be in a, a really good position, I think. Uh, City do have a have a tougher run to come, so it's um got to got to do it though. Got got to get those points. I mean, starting with starting with Villa at the weekend. So what do you think? What do you think about the Villa game? What's the deal? Well, look, it's uh, it's Aston Villa at Villa Park and United always win there right always there just isn't yeah there's no doubt about it always win. well they didn't they didn't win last season they drew two all apart it from was, last season it was pretty it was the only time I've ever been I'm not there this season so we'll probably probably will win it was an incredibly dramatic game last season of course it, it was the late goals and all that it's an interesting one isn't it because it's not as if United have been playing anywhere near good football for the last few weeks um, I, I'm no I don't think that's fair I think that against Newcastle we played really really good football for the last half an hour yeah for the last half an hour yeah well, still that, that, I just think you know we have we have played some good football in the last couple of weeks not for not we haven't played an entire good match but we've played some good football yes Villa on the other hand kind of kind of mediocre at the moment I mean Drew Swansea last week uh, wasn't it lost at Tottenham the week before so it not being great and I don't suppose there was an expectation with Villa fans that they'd be anything more than sort of mid-table this season. They're just about doing that. And uh, it's, you know, I, I was flippantly saying United always win at Villa, but I think we've got a pretty good record there. It's kind of one of those games, you're kind of thinking, United going for the championship, we need to be going to Aston Villa and winning. Sorry, that's a cliche, I know, but kind of we really do. It's Villa were on a high last year. All the young players are in there playing well, and they gave us a real game. And you kind of think, right now, Villa not playing that well. I know we're 
we're not, but could we kickstart our season again by uh, getting a victory? I mean, it's definitely possible. I mean, Villa have been absolutely woeful so far this season. The worst managerial signing that I can remember for a, such a long time to bring in Alec McLeish. The only redeeming feature was that he knows his way around the centre of Birmingham, having managed City for a little while. Uh, just such turgid, horrible football. Their performance against Spurs was amongst the most embarrassing I've ever seen from a Premier League side. And, and I, I, yeah, it really was. They defended really badly as well. And yeah, and that's with like 27 defenders on the pitch as well, trying yeah, to set right. up defensively. Defensively, just just awful. So, but you know, our capacity to underperform cannot and should not be underestimated. I mean, we could go to Villa and legitimately we could beat them six 0 It's not an impossibility, but we could also really make it difficult for ourselves and they got Darren Bent you know so they can definitely score goals yeah I, yeah, I can't imagine Darren Bent really wants to stay there I mean he's got to have better ambitions than Aston Villa hasn't he I, I, I don't know and, and some of the youth players have gone off the boil a little bit obviously they you know they Bent's there they lost Young and they lost Downing and, but Bannon's had this problem with he got prosecuted for speeding or drink driving or something like that didn't he and, and all Brighton's not been as good this season as he was last year and, and all those kind of things have just not being that good mm, no absolutely and, and and you know that's that's what young players do they don't just go from being young players to top level players they show a bit of promise and then they go off the boil a little bit and you know and then they eventually become the players they're going to be um, and, but you know I don't think it can be brilliant to be under Alec McLeish if you're up and coming especially not if you're an attacking player no and, and you know they've got a tough December programme so they, they play us Liverpool Arsenal and Chelsea before the end of the year and, and that could be that's a really tough run for them and, and they they could see themselves in relegation trouble quite easily. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a bit worried about us in 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 this game. But if I was a Villa fan, I'd be. In fact, I was talking to a Villa fan at my work today who said, "Well, yep, fair enough. You're you're not playing very well, but but your bad form is better than our bad form uh, by quite a long way." I, I'm just hoping this kickstarts. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That, know, would be, that would be great. Villa, Basel. Wolverhampton, QPR, Fulham, Wigan and Blackburn before the end of the year. I mean, seriously, United could win seven games here. You just, you kind of thought, we're playing the way we were in sort of end of August, beginning of September. You'd go, yeah, United are going to win seven games here. Uh, playing the way we have been since the, uh, the defeat in the derby, you'd go, oh, God, there they could be a few points dropped. But none of those games are tough by any means. No, and we really, you know, I mean, you and I will definitely be predicting that United will win every single one of those games. You know, I mean, we might, might yeah. not say we're definitely not going to drop a point out of all of those games now but you know each week we're going to predict the results and we'll be predicting United wins uh, and starting yeah. right now um, the Baal game what what is the starting lineup going to look like against Villa is he going to is he going to be thinking about rotation ahead of Baal or is he going to be thinking about bringing players into form he can't he's he's, he's had a he's given them a week off he, he can't be thinking about rotation for the Villa game I mean be, if he did that some of the key players would be undercooked by the time it came to Baal so no he's got to play the top side go out uh, seek a win he, want, he needs the confidence I think if United go into that game worst case go into the, the ball game having rotated some of the players out or get some players undercooked some players not playing that well going into the game against ball you know 10 days off or, or whatever for some players or uh, potentially and being a bit negative about the ball game you know maybe we draw at Villa or something like that maybe he looks play five again in midfield against Baal and we hand the initiative to them and this is the negative scenario right glass half empty and all that and they take the initiative and beat us and we're out 
of the European Cup and you know that's disastrous best case scenario play the top team against Villa go there win everyone feels fantastic about it positive frame of mind uh, go to Switzerland win okay we're going to come second in the group anyway but at least everyone's feeling good about it into the, the run of winnable games in December yeah I, you know it should be a good December you know it's all about momentum isn't it you know lost a lot last night lost a lot over the last six weeks or so and uh, it's kind of time we got it back yes and no we, we there's a few I um, I don't totally agree with that analysis. I mean, you're kind of right, but we ground out a lot of 1-0 wins in that time when we didn't have momentum, and there's a certain amount of momentum to just winning. But yeah, the Benfica game was a big hit to the momentum. I don't know about last night. I, I, I wonder about last night. One thing that stuck in my craw a little bit, to use an expression I'm not sure I've ever used in my life before, was Fergie coming out and saying, I apologise, that was not a Manchester United performance. He also apologised to the players who went inside. I, ca- yeah. I kind of want to say, well, if if you want a Man United performance, you might want to play a few more Man United players next time. Rather than ones that won't be Man United players very shortly. Yeah. yeah. Good point, yes. Ferguson has rarely ever taken the blame for yeah, maybe strategic errors. Although he half did there by apologising to the players who weren't in the side. Um, of course, we should be winning these games because we have not one, not two, but six Manchester United players in the FIFA FIFA Pro World Eleven nominations. How about that? Yeah, no, no, there's no doubt in my mind that Patrice Evra's been one of the best defenders in the world over the last 12 months. Absolutely, so is Edwin van der Sar. Oh, I mean, van der Sar, van der Sar, I think, if... It- if it's last season, uh, but it's not, is it? Is it's calendar year? It's calendar year. I mean, Van der Sar was definitely one of the best goalkeepers in the yeah, world last fair, season. Fair enough, yeah. And Ditto Vidic. Uh, I'm not sure we can throw Ferdinand in there and the others are Nani and Wayne Rooney. Yeah, and I think both of them are questionable as well, given the inconsistency. A few uh, other players we could question in this list, and I'm just going to pick a few out who have been pretty dreadful. Gianli Luigi Buffon, definitely only in there because of who he is. Eric Abadal. Sorry, not had a great season little harsh you know liver liver <laughs> yeah i know i well i know but you know still not simply vote is it ricardo carvalho who's been dreadful and is currently out the real madrid side john terry the crowning joint achievement seriously you've got to be kidding me david luis who is embarrassing at chelsea at the moment alessandro nesta aged 87 uh, he had a few games for napoli and i know napoli are playing well and all that but still come on and, and a few there's a few more in here it's, it's brilliant in this list it's a fantastic list caca caca <laughs> yeah you know look I know that so this this thing it used to be voted by coaches from around the world and you had the you know coach of Mauritania voting for Marco van Basten who'd been retired for 15 years and, and then changed it around a little bit and it's now voted for by players only and it's 50,000 players from around the world but seriously caca I don't think so oh no you could you could play him in a midfield too with that other player who's been on the best form of his career in the last 12 months Frank Lampard mm, awesome awesome selection there awesome selection uh, there there are some other brilliant ones in here Didier Drogba he's had, just had a wonderful season and last season as well hasn't he you know not and and Samueletu of course playing at the highest level of world football yes that's uh, Angie Makalakala I mean in fact oh and 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 of course David Villa yeah it looks like he's on his way out of Barcelona not sure we'd ever say that but uh, looks like that's probably going to happen Fergie sign him up Mario Gomez is in there <laughs> it's interesting I mean he is playing very well he's, he's, he's on fire this season certainly wasn't last season but yeah he's he's on fire for but yeah real real danger man and we talked about how good Bayern Munich are this season I'm sure when they actually narrow it down to the World Eleven, it'll be just fine because it'll just be Barcelona and Vidic yeah 
<laughs> Very true. Oh, God, I just had a horrible vision of Barcelona. No, I don't even want to think about it. All right, well, thank you very much, uh, everyone, for listening. And definitely thank you for all those Twitter questions. Please do keep them coming. If we've missed your question this week, we, we'll definitely try and get to them next week. Uh, we also had a, a really, really interesting uh, and very thoughtful email from Alpha RS about our midfield and the midfield succession. Very interesting points, um, but hopefully we've, we've tried to cover some of that in the course of the show. So it's that time again where we pretend that we know the future and try and predict what will happen against Aston Villa. I, I think we're going to win. I'll go 2-1 to United. Yeah, I think that's a good score. I, I'm going with that. I was thinking 2-1 to United. I think sounds good to me. And I'm hoping United will bore their way to a win in Basel. I, I, I just can't see a spectacular United performance away from home in Europe. It just doesn't happen, does it? So I'm going to go for a, a 1-0 win. I, don't, I, I feel like whatever I say now is going to weirdly curse United in one direction or another. So I know I'm not allowed to abstain from making predictions, but I, I would like to. I think it could be horrible. I think it could be like a painful one-all draw or something where we end up scraping through. Could could well be. I mean, that's all United need. So just about wraps it up for this week. I, I guess one word for Gary Speed, who was uh, found dead this week. I mean, obviously he played for Leeds and, and Everton, two sort of rivals to United, but he seemed, not knowing him, obviously like one of the good guys of the game. But yeah, I mean, for a Leeds player to get a kind of pretty sincere ovation at Manchester United in in memoriam uh, in the game against Crystal Palace is is quite something Uh, just absolutely awful of course no one knows what happened and the family asked for privacy and so what's the point in even speculating but just there was a lot of sort of talk about you know why people talking about depression there's no evidence that it was depression it's like well okay there's definitely something going on of one kind or another for a person to take their own life so you know I think if you if you're struggling out there just remember that there is help available from one place or another whatever you're struggling with there there are ways to get support and help and hopefully there's a kind of growing awareness that mental health issues are not a sign of weakness they're not a failing on the part of your character so you no know, football can be really super macho and and stupid basically but if you've got some things that you think you need to talk to someone about find someone you can talk to about it don't don't be afraid because you're a man yeah sincere words then um yeah 42 years of age it's very sad uh, it's been a pleasure doing a rant cast with you as always ed it's a well, one of the the most fun times i have of the week is doing this so long may it continue and listeners thank you so much for listening once again can't thank you enough for the kind reviews on itunes 